On today's episode, we discuss NFL Sunday Week 9. We've got our picks and predictions. The Brooklyn Nets, they suspend Kyrie Irving, and we react to Thursday Night Football. This and much, much more, it's time to sideline the agenda. Welcome to Sideline the Agenda. My name is Scott. With me is Kevin and Chris. Welcome to the show that sidelines the talking points of the corporate sports media. We give you our opinions unapologetically. Nothing is out of bounds and every subject is fair game. Coming up, prediction time for NFL Week 9. Who will take command of the Commanders? And the NBA doesn't want Kyrie Irving to stay. But first, we would like to invite you to join our agenda to sideline the agenda by subscribing to our podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you enjoy your podcast entertainment. You can also follow us on Twitter at Sideline Agenda. Sideline the agenda. Get off the sideline and into the game. Yes, off the sideline, into the game, into the week, into the weekend the NFL weekend, but uh, first, uh, there's 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 many things happening in the sports, but, uh, you know, I'm just not feeling very well today, guys. <laughs> you can probably hear it in my voice. I can hear it. Can Man, hear it. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling. I've got the uh, the the congestion and the uh, the cough and all that kind of stuff. Don't worry, it's not COVID. I'm pretty sure Ooh. it's not COVID. <laughs> worried about that one. <laughs> oh, man. You ain't kidding, right? <laughs> yeah, if we could sideline some things, we'd sideline these, these damn colds and flus. Well, that's what happens, you know, when everybody's <laughs> on lockdown. has got a little bit of a cough and, right now, too. Oh, does he? Everybody yeah. on lockdown, staying away from each other and all that kind of stuff. And then, uh, you know, slowly the world opens up and uh, it's back to normal. And it's like, oh, God, do you remember being sick? Like normally sick? Yes, we were <laughs> before this and we still will be, um, you know, and this is just a, a fact of life. Um, so, yeah, feeling a little down and out here, guys, uh, not feeling too good. Um, but uh, I, I know that I'm in good hands with you guys uh, helping uh, uh you know, uh, pick up the slack. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, definitely a lot going on in the uh, sports world. It is uh, officially November, but we still got kind of the benefits of what happens in October, where you got kind of all the sports going, or you got World Series. You know, Philadelphia playing Houston at the same time. You got Houston yeah. and Philadelphia playing football, uh, basketball going on, of course, and and uh, so yeah. lots of good sports entertainment out there. Hockey Don't forget well. the hockey. Can't forget eh? hockey. Yeah. Can't the forget hoser. them, eh? Throw them up, eh? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the kind of the hot topic right now, speaking of getting sidelined, is the Brooklyn Nets have sidelined Kyrie Irving for his speech for having a point of view. Uh, he's been suspended, they say, a minimum of five games. They didn't really specify if it's only going to be five or if they're going to get to that fifth game and say, you know what? you still haven't bowed down and kissed the ring enough to where we're going to suspend you even longer. So we'll see what happens there. But they suspended him because, I mean, most everyone knows now, he happened to post a link to a documentary. And and a documentary that is on Amazon, by the way. And conveniently, nobody wants to criticize Amazon. No right. one wants to criticize Jeff Bezos for having this documentary available for people to watch. Um, so the, the, the big controversy other than the post itself was, you know, the whole corporate press and the media, they come out and, uh, they say, Hey, Kyrie, you're getting too far off the reservation or off the plantation here. Uh, you got to come back and, and you've got to, uh, think the way that we want you to think and say what we want you to say. So you need to apologize. And, uh, you know, that the media, the hound dogs, they, they got the bloodhounds out on them. So the media hound dogs have, have. Uh, been coming at him, trying to get him to apologize, trying to get him to apologize. And he didn't really exactly apologize. He says that, you know, he doesn't necessarily agree with everything in the documentary, um, but he can't really apologize for, uh, uh, let, let me find you the quote, people. Um, he said he cannot be anti-Semitic if he knows where he comes from. So one of the, the I, I guess one of the views that, this uh, documentary is trying to get across is that basically they think these black Hebrew Israelite movement, they, they think that they were the original Jews. So he's right. coming from the point of view that he's a black guy, he's African-American. So therefore he was one of the original Jews. So how could we be anti-Semitic? It'd be like a white guy or, or a black guy, Kyrie even saying, yeah, I'm, I'm anti-black or a white guy saying I'm anti-white. It's like, 
but that's who you are. That's where you come from. So he's kind of trying to come from it from that point of view. Um, but also kind of proving like Kyrie's point and almost kind of proving Kanye's point. You know, Ye's been under the, the fire lately for anti-Semitic quote unquote, uh, things that he said as well. And yet they come after him so hard for it. They're like almost being overprotective. It, it seems like, um, yeah. So he, you can't have a point of view that the NBA, that the media doesn't agree with because you're going to get blackballed. You're going to get sidelined. You're going to get dropped from all your sponsors. And it's, it, I don't know. Maybe this is one of those times where everyone, it seemed like was rallying around Kaepernick and, and what he was going for and, uh, and, and trying, because it, it was something that was promoted by the media and supported but you get another black guy that is uh, having his point of view and it's like crickets. You don't see anyone else in the NBA or the NFL or all these celebrities. You don't see them coming out and, and showing that same support. So it kind of shows you who really supports free speech, who really supports people. And uh, it kind of shows you the, the cowards versus the people that are just going to be out there walking the corporate line because uh, – they got their endorsements that they got to protect. And I was actually kind of really disappointed in, I'm, I'm not really disappointed in him because he's been saying dumb things for a long time, in my opinion, but even Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who kind of cut his teeth with this right. whole anti-establishment persona, changing his name, you know, the Muhammad Ali's, the Malcolm X's. I'm not saying Kyrie's on any kind of level like that, but you would think that you would want to support someone that wants to be different and Kareem was basically just giving him the, the right act throwing the book at him telling him that he's got to wise up smarten up and and this is all disinfo blah blah I should be smarter than that so it, it's it's kind of a mess you, you hate to see someone that just for voicing a different opinion even one that I don't necessarily even agree with myself that's affecting his job and, and we've been seeing a lot of that lately where if you don't go along with whatever you're supposed to go along with then you are banned, you're blackballed, you're fired, you're suspended, all this kind of stuff. And it's got to come to an end. This is supposed to be America where freedom of speech is like the most important thing in this country. And we've lost that. And you see all these little tyrants running around telling you, hey, if, if you don't think the way we want you to think, then you're gone. Yeah, it's very hypocritical too, especially coming from obviously the NBA. Um, obviously, they suspended Kyrie Irving for five games, but it could be potentially more because the Brooklyn Nets already came out and said, uh, supposedly, apparently, um, that Kyrie Irving is unfit to be associated with the Brooklyn Nets at this moment. And then you also had Silva, who was pretty much watching his apology, quote-unquote, apology speech uh, very closely because Sil- Silva came out and said already that uh, you know he is expecting Irving to take accountability, um, which is that's where the hypocritical part comes, at least to me, because I feel like you're picking and choosing what you're making your players become accountable for. Um, and you actually have a whole league that should be coming accountable for so many different things. But yet you want to jump on Kyrie Irving for, uh, you know, something that obviously is is definitely an agenda because um, you could trace this back to even last season um, where, where Kyrie Irving did obviously did he didn't participate in a lot of the home games last season you could potentially say that he might have been the reason why Nets didn't weren't you know didn't get to the you know get to the the big game at you know big series at the end and um, so they may have prohibited a lot of um, success coming from the Nets but it's just funny to me because uh, now they're coming after him again and now he's going to be missing games again uh, f- for the Nets and so I, I just see a huge red red flag here. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what the NBA is doing. I don't know if Silva even uh, Silver even knows what he's doing anymore. And uh, it's pretty sad to see. But I have to say, I'm pretty proud of Kyrie Irving for hanging in there. If he's not, if he doesn't want to apologize, I don't think he said anything wrong. I don't think he really has to apologize, you know. And and for you know the commissioner to come in there and, and even obviously the franchise alone pretty much demanding this from one of their star players that's pretty sad to see um we're obviously a land of the free and we don't like to see our freedoms taken away so good job Kyrie Irving yeah to me it's just like you said Chris where it's it's just about a point of view and and you can argue that even a point of view hasn't necessarily been expressed by the post that he put on social media it was just a link to this movie it's like hey do with it what you will 
you know, obviously you can read between the lines. I mean, I, I haven't read the post or haven't seen the post, but my understanding is that's the case, that he just posted a link to this documentary, neither endorsing it nor, um, you know, uh, speaking against it. So just in that alone, the NBA feels that it has the right and the ability to, to uh, uh, you know, lay intent um, and then also demand somebody take something off of their private social media platform um, and then uh, an apology and all of these things in a row where it's just to me, this is all about uh, Silver wanting to uh, show his power. Um, the, you know, the silver the, to me, he, he seeks to control the wallets, the minds and the bodies of his employees, of the players. And that's what's at stake here. You don't have to agree with what Kyrie Irving is about. You don't have to agree with what he says or stands for, but you, what you should agree with is somebody pushing against the establishment and saying, no, you don't have the right to demand that I take a, a, a vaccine, which I also truly believe that this is what this is all about, really, when it comes yeah. down to it. Yeah. Um, but you don't have control. I do have body autonomy, bodily autonomy. I do have the ability to control what comes in or, you know, inside my body. Also, I have the ability of freedom of speech and I have the ability to think uh, and act the way that I want to think the way that I want to say the things that I want to say. Now, I understand on the court there's a different situation there, but this is his private, uh, not po private, public, but his personal social media platform. Um, so, so there is a huge overreach, in my opinion, there as well, or at least if anything, it creates a very dangerous precedence because who's lining up to uh, take on uh, any given NBA player that posts, uh, uh, you know, a, a rap video, music video to their uh, social media that, you know, uh, makes light of or celebrates, you know, um, you know, uh, uh, treating women like hoes and spending money in, in violence, gun violence. And you know what I'm saying? Like all the, right. you know, check marks of, 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 uh, of rap music, of, of the rap musics. <laughs> <laughs> who's, who's going after these people, right? Um, because yeah. those people are already falling in line. This has everything to do with power. This has everything to, to do with you do what we tell you to do the way that we tell you to do it. Um, and, you know, like this harkens back to I remember when uh, LeBron James, he he had to apologize because he, he post made that post of uh, getting that Jewish money. Remember, it was that uh, tw uh, he tweeted <laughs> that uh, it was lyrics to a rap music a rap song. And it was like, uh, we've been getting that Jewish money. Everything is kosher, right? And this was, you yeah. know, uh, taken as a extremely anti-Semitic. But this was I I exactly in the wake of when he had his uh, one of the airing of his, his, his the shop show on HBO. When he was commenting, um, speaking of the whole Kaepernick situation, he was commenting that, uh, uh, quote, in the NFL, they got a bunch of old white men owning teams and they got that slave mentality. And it's like, this is my team. You do what the F I tell you to do, or we get rid of y'all, <laughs> you know? Um, so Sounds a lot like the NBA right now. Now, Le LeBron James, he had to apologize for that post, that Jewish uh, uh, post, uh, but he did it, you know, because he was threatened to get uh, uh, fined, you know? Um, and here it's like, you have to apologize. We're going to fine you and suspend you five games without pay. This is just, again, I don't know, that plantation mentality, if you ask me, that's what this is all about. What does this have to do about job performance on the court? What does this have yeah. to do about job performance yeah. on the court? What does this have to do about job performance on the court? Right. And that's Sounds all like, I'm going right. to say. Sounds like LeBron and Nike and the shoes that he makes. It's the same same kind of idea, you know, the plantation and the, the, the master, you know, it's... I mean, they even went to an extent of asking Kyrie specifically what his beliefs regarding the Holocaust. <laughs> like, who asked that? Like, come on. I mean, <laughs> they're just reaching at this point, and it's actually yeah. kind of disgusting. Yeah, where's like the NAACP at? I mean, this guy's getting suspended without pay. Um, I, I think the NBA is kind of a microcosm of what they would really love the whole country to be where you've got those in charge, those liberal elites in charge, and they can basically, they got all the power. If you step out of line, they can suspend you from your job or fire you from your job. 
or, uh, you know, the whole social credit system that they've got over in China that I know they would love to bring out here. You, you become a bad little citizen, then you get punished for it. You step out of line, you say something they don't approve of, then you get punished. And that, that's not what we want to see here in this country. So like Kevin said, kudos to Kyrie for kind of sticking up for himself. Uh, but this, this is definitely out of hand. I mean, he's got a right to, to earn a living. And just because he says something, or it, it didn't even really say it, just like you said, linked to a documentary. And this is just all a media uh, just make an example out of them. That's yeah, what they're doing. It's, it's again payback over the jab. Yeah, that's it. You didn't take the vax. We're going to vilify you. Exactly. Yep. We're, we're, we're going to hunt you down. Yeah. So uh, another thing that we've got potentially coming down the pike here with uh, speaking of of elitist to, to LeBron's <laughs> point of well we got a bunch of slave owners in the, in the, <laughs> the NFL which right. is completely bogus but we might be having a vacancy in one of those owners. Uh, coming up with the uh, Washington Commanders potentially being up for sale. Uh, the owner, Snyder, has uh, been under some investigation uh, for being a, a little Ime Adoka, it sounds like. <laughs> potentially saying some inappropriate things to some women. Yudoka had no problem finding another job, too, by the way. So it's kind of funny how that goes. He's already hired as uh, as the Nets coach. Yeah, right. he celebrated uh, the ESPN, right? Like yeah. That, he's, oh, it's so great. Choice. It's so good. Yeah. But Snyder, they've had rumblings for a while, and it, it just seemed like they just want to get this guy out. So they, they drummed up as much stuff as they could on him came out with a bunch of media hit pieces and you know maybe he's an a-hole maybe he's not i have no idea but anyway he's he's looking to to put it up for sale and and the first people that are going to try and get in there well one they want to have you know the first black owner um uh, what was his name byron allen yeah Byron uh, Allen. Inter- yeah. entertainment mogul uh who's not even really all that rich i mean comparatively speaking he's worth like half a billion dollars but these teams are going for several billion now so it's not like he would be the owner it would be him and it's a bunch of bunch of other guys but uh guess who else was was rumored to to be interested oh jeff bezos and remember Uh, way back week one you know you know amazon has got control of thursday night football primetime football as we dubbed it um Remember week one when he was sitting all buddy-buddy with Roger Goodell and he was just talking his ear off all game long? He's like, you know, we got to get that Snyder out of there. I want to get that team in there. I want the team. Sell me the team. I got a a whole vision for this league. He's going to take it over and he's going to steer it even further left. You know, there's going to be out with the old, out with the, the, uh, the, what is it, Jones in, in Texas or Dallas? Yeah, all the good uh, Jerry old boys, Jones. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Out, out with the crafts. Like we're going to be in with the new, the the rich liberal billionaires, and we're going to continue to steer this thing even more and more left. Yeah. Uh, it also was rumored that Jay Z would partner up with with Jeff Bezos. Speaking of another Brooklyn Nets connection, Jay Z used to be part owner of the Nets uh, back when they were in New Jersey, and he was basically just involved with moving them to Brooklyn changing their color scheme and then he kind of got out <laughs> but it's just they, they want that influence even more so they they can't have enough of just the 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 tech influence they've got to actually be owners they've got to get in there and if there is some guy that comes along that buys it that happens to be black you know whatever we don't care but it's it's the agenda behind it to where it's the team that's in the country's capital and the influence that they're going to have to continue to to push their their agendas, their policies, the way that they want the league to continue to go, and the way uh, they want the world to go. I mean, well, that's yeah, what we've been talking it, about. That's true. Is that this is the last you know town hall in regards to uh, you know sports, professional sports. It's like this is the space and place where. You, you, we come together as a country, ironically, uh, and under one canopy and, and have dedicated eyes for several hours. And there's a lot, a lot of money in that. And that's why these guys who normally weren't interested, it's not like teams, it's not like Bezos wasn't a billionaire, you know, uh, 10 years ago. Um, at right. least I'm assuming he was, you know, I'm pretty damn sure. Actually, I know he was, right? But it's not like he was trying to buy teams then what's changed yeah. and it, it's the popularity of it the, the the like you said it comes down to influence comes down to power uh you yeah know, chasing that dollar absolutely just a t- total control move 
Um, it's kind of ironic, though. It's perfect timing for Tanya and Don, uh, Daniel to uh, try to sell this thing. Uh, it's like right when they come under, you know, hot uh, hot water, where there is a huge investigation now upon her. You know, there it's it's much more than just words. Also, you know, they were, you know, they're under the radar and they're they're kind of aligning themselves. So I think it was a B, B of A, one of B of A's uh, top sec- yeah. uh, security yeah. uh, team to you know help uh, protect their investments and what's been coming in and out and. You know, they, they've been kind of uh, allegedly um, or accused of um, kind of laundering the money is, is since where a lot of the season ticket holders are you know, uh, paying a, a lot pretty pretty much their their ways for these t- these seats and then um, the deposits and, and, and so on. So if they cancel or if they're trying to, you know, that that's that money's not being released back to <laughs> these people that want their money back. Um, and a lot of the tickets that are actually being sold to these commander games, um, they're actually being uh, classified as, you know, uh, money being brought in from a different event uh, or a concert uh, altogether. So there's there's some issues down there, and uh, it's kind of it, it's kind of a, an alarming thing for the, both the Snyders that uh, now all of a sudden they're going to have to <laughs> sell the leak. It just looks so. Our sell the team looks it looks very it looks very bad on their part, as almost as if they're just trying to get out of Dodge as soon as possible. Um, and this is obviously right after you know, seemingly um, you know just a couple seasons right after they change their name and then this kind of like downhill trickle effect going on there so yeah they're they're in hot water and we're probably going to be seeing a new owner and you're right chris white black red it doesn't matter what color skin they are it's all on who the elitist is that's going to try to step in and and gain control and 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 that's the scary thing about it but uh hopefully uh you know they keep the team it would be it would be it's kind of sucks to see them leave however if they are doing some of the things they're accused of doing um that's ultimately that's wrong and you know we all have to stick up for the people right well it's, yeah. uh, what you're talking about kevin remind me of uh, uh the story of the washington commander's fan who won a check for over fourteen thousand dollars from the team in a 50 50 charity raffle uh, was shocked when he tried to deposit it and the check bounced. <laughs> so to your point, there is probably a little bit of a mi- mismanagement happening uh, uh, there in Washington for sure. But uh, yeah, they, if they got a secret term for it too, they call it juice. Now this is what's been coming out. They're like, oh well, it, every time the management team actually the whistle's kind of been blowing on them from a former employee who's coming out and saying all this, describing this idea of quote unquote juice when the juice comes in they're talking about you know money that they're covering up and so i don't i don't want to go too you know the rabbit wow. can go far far down the you know the, wow. the, the, yeah, the yeah. hole but um yeah it's pretty scary coming some of the details that have been coming out well real quick if if bezos was to purchase the commanders um and i have complete ignorance in this area regarding the other nfl owners of teams whether what their involvements are from a professional standpoint but if bezos was to purchase the commanders wouldn't that be some form of conflict of interest considering that he owns thursday night football you know right. what i mean so it's like when when the commanders are playing thursday night football it's like the you know awesome coverage yeah. and, and you know backstories <laughs> and highly produced segments on the commanders and uh, you know act now 50 percent off the commander's gear you know, on amazon <laughs> prime you know like isn't there a bit of a conflict of interest there where it's like he, he might be able to you know steer the ship a little bit uh as far as the broadcasts are concerned to 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 make his team Team look that much better i i don't know i i like i said I, I don't know if other teams have ownership and other broadcasting networks i'm sure they do but uh, that seems like that that uh, wouldn't necessarily be a good look no not at all like referees uh signing uh autographs in a tunnel i suppose <laughs> I, I mean they are i mean, Apparently, all NFL owners are responsible to be paying some kind of rewards or or percentages of the income coming in back to the you know back to the whole franchise, the the league NFL. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree with you, Scott. That's a huge liability issue yeah. there. Well, speaking of Thursday night football, uh, Thursday night football uh, the other day uh, was between the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. Um, they headed to uh, Jalen Hurts' old hometown of Houston to face the Texans on Thursday night football. 
Uh, Philadelphia uh, was uh, taking on, um, uh, you know, in a very below average squad. Uh, it had a very slow start to this game. It actually looked like there was a moment where it looked like, oh my gosh, the Houston Texans might actually pull this one out. Um, but of course, uh, the, the, the Eagles got back on track quickly. Uh, their de- defense did struggle against the run, um, but, uh, definitely bounced back, um, in regards to their offense. Uh, Eagles undefeated 8-0 now. Like we all thought this was going to be the case. Was, was there any interesting takeaways or anything that you saw that, uh, uh, you know, comes to mind when we, uh, think about that Thursday night game? Well, just Houston put up a, a pretty good fight, at least in the first half, uh, much better than I think most people thought, even what, what we thought. And uh, they've been close in a lot of games, so you know maybe they got something that they can build on and, and for next season. But Philadelphia is just a, a far superior team. They didn't even really play their best ball, and they, they still kind of handled this one. And it, it really kind of flips on those turnovers. You know, Houston, they had a couple turnovers, and the Eagles were able to take advantage if – take those turnovers away this you know potentially could have been right down to the wire even an upset but um texans ran the ball well i was surprised at how how well they ran it uh they're they're running back i think he had like 140 yards or so uh had a, had a great day uh their rookie uh pierce you know he, he's looking really good um so other than that you know the, the eagles they, they might have not really been totally up for this game and that kind of showed but um yeah, it, it wasn't too much surprising in this one. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Uh, it was a pretty close call all the way up to that <laughs> that interception to uh, Gardner Johnson, who actually leads the league now uh, with five interceptions, and actually the this is the most of his whole career. Um, good pick up, good uh, excuse me, good pick up by the Eagles. Um, and also to your point, also Damian Pierce is for the you know Houston Texans. I mean, he's he's a stud. Um, that's someone that they could definitely build an offense around. I don't think this Mills guy is going to cut it. If, at least if if he was my quarterback uh was he throwing he threw like eight interceptions since week three so he's just not cutting it he doesn't look like he's very mobile out there um and uh you know for Damian Pierce, I mean, that is absolutely somebody you just got to build around. Uh, he's number three in the league with yards after you know, a, a contact, so uh, he's he's definitely someone that uh, looks promising. And for the Eagles, yeah, they, they kind of look like they didn't pre- prepare at all for the Texans. They just look like they kind of went in there just like, oh, whatever, we're we're seven and zero or whatever, and you know we're playing the Texans, and it looked like that throughout the whole first half. They should not have been as close, but um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Hair, uh, what's his name? A Hairgrave or uh, on the defense for the Hargrove. Eagles? Hard, yeah. Oh my Hargrove. gosh, yeah, what a, a beast in there! Uh, they still have Cox in there as well, so the Eagles will be all right. It's fun to watch them; um, they're doing pretty good, and um, yeah, we all predicted this, so they they got it done. Yeah, it's funny. I was watching, uh, like I said, the uh, Texans were looking f- fairly good in the first half, you know, and uh, they, they 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 kept it close. It was tied at the end of the first half, 14-14, if I remember correctly. And and Davis Mills, to my eye, was like, you know, looking, uh, you know, good, decent, not terrible. And then the game continued, and then he he started to not that uh, that that paint started to fade fairly quickly. Um, <laughs> you know, threw for 154 yards, two touchdowns, but those two interceptions were just awful interceptions that he threw yeah um just bad so i I agree with you kevin i I, i'm not quite sure if uh he's your man going forward for sure but uh yeah philadelphia in houston um and then there was houston in philadelphia for uh the world (laughs) series yeah and actually we called this wrong real quick i just want to say acknowledge because uh the previous show we were like oh yeah they don't play till thursday well (laughs) the wednesday they played and they played (laughs) thursday as well didn't they so i know you guys watched the game last night uh that was game five um and that was a great game uh the houston astros did pick that one up a very close game but i i want to zone in on game four guys the one that happened that we didn't mention on wednesday night that we totally missed (laughs) guys this was a historic game uh took place there in the good old philadelphia at citizens bank park game four 
Um, obviously, Phillies came in with the upper hand. Um, this was pretty much knotted up all the way up to uh, the fifth inning, uh, where the Houston Astros, you know, blow this one wide open. Um, for whatever reason, the Houston, uh, uh, the Phillies put in their uh, the left-handed reliever, reliever, thinking that the the lefty on lefty is gonna pay off for him. And it, first pitch, boom. Hits Alvarez and then obviously walks McCormick in to score. That's the first first uh, run of the fifth inning, which leads to you know uh, Alex Bregman, uh, who's by the way the most um, runs batted in third baseman in all of World Series history. Um, hits a ground uh, hits a double off the wall that scores Altuve and uh, Pena, and then also leads. Uh, with another sack fly uh, to right center, they'll score the fourth run of the inning. For you know, Alvarez will score off that, and then you have Guriel single to left uh, with the base hit that will ultimately score Bregman. And guys, they just blew this thing wide open uh, in the fifth inning. This was the fourth team uh, to ever score five runs in a single inning in World, uh, World Series history. Um, and then just carrying on, we're just going to keep you know building up history, history stats here. Um, uh, Houston Astros end the game with the, with the no-hitter. This is yeah. the first ever combined no-hitter. Um, there was more than just one pitcher, which is if I was you know Christian Javier who started the game, I'd be kind of a little ticked a little bit where I'm not finishing this game, but the, I'll, dig- I'll digress. They still made history. He still made history. Um, he threw nine, uh, excuse me, six shutout innings, and he had nine strikeouts um, up to the fifth inning where he did uh, have a shutout, obviously, through the fifth with nine Ks. That is actually a record as well. Um, that has never been done, at least within uh, the World Series platform. Um, and that followed through with uh, pulling him after the sixth inning. And they put in Brian Abreu at seventh inning, struck out the side, three straight Ks. And then the eighth inning, they bring in Rafael Montero. He had one K. And then Ryan Presley pretty much closes one out. He also had a K. So a combined total, 14 strikeouts, which is basically, I mean, that's just shutting a team down. Unfortunately, you know, Philadelphia Phillies literally have nothing. Um, they had nothing going. Even Bryce Harper, their guy, right? He went 0 for 2. He did have a walk, uh, but he had, you know, finished with 0 and 2 and two strikeouts. Um, this is the f- second uh, no-hitter that's ever been thrown in World, Se- uh, World Series history. Um, only Don Larson had completed this feat back in 1956. So this is kind of why I wanted to bring it up, guys. Obviously, you could see historical stats pretty much throughout this whole game. I'm not a huge Astros fan, although I'm a baseball fan. I love the game of baseball. Fall classic. This is where it's at, right? So I think it's important for us to kind of talk about it. Um, Obviously, I'm curious about your guys' takes. And we know that Houston Astros took care of business last night, Game 5. So now they're leading the series uh, 3-2. to And I just want to see, do you think they're going to pull this out? Or what do you guys think of the uh, the the Astros comeback? I mean, I I kind of feel like I, I was watching the Dodgers. Yeah, <laughs> they, get that. the Phillies are playing a lot like them. It, it seems like in this series, yeah, a lot of firsts, a lot of records um, for good and for bad. Um, you know, Game Three, we saw the record of the Phillies exploding for five home runs, and then the very next game, they get no hit. And then the very next game, they managed to muster up two runs. So I think this is kind of a microcosm of of the the game now of uh, Major League Baseball, where it's kind of feast or famine with the home run ball. If you're not hitting the home runs, you're not really scoring runs, and you're striking out a lot. You're getting very few hits in this in this case, game four. We even saw a no hitter. Um, I I I know Kevin. You said that you you really like it. I I don't really like it as much. I think as a product, it's 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 not good baseball. I mean, you got guys out there that are are coming up empty as far as just even putting the bat on the ball when there's guys in running and scoring position. Uh, in game four, I think the Phillies left twelve on base. Um, the Astros, I think they left like eight or nine. Um, you get double digit left on bases and you lose by one run. It's just, you got it. It's just a lack of execution. And even with two strikes, guys are still swinging for the fence. And 
it's looking like Houston, they've got the better pitching staff. They got the more complete lineup. There's a number of guys that can beat you, whereas the Philadelphia, it looks like there's just only a couple guys that can even be somewhat consistent. So I, I would be very surprised if Philadelphia came back and, and won this one. But they, I mean, they're so up and down that I think they've actually set the records for the amount of home runs by a single team so far in the postseason. So there you go again with the kind of feast or fame and live by the home run ball. So I don't know, maybe they'll catch fire again in game six and seven, but they got to win two on the road. It's highly doubtful. Houston's just, I mean, they won what was 106 games this year. They're a solid team. It looks like their pitching is better. So it's looking like, unfortunately, Houston's going to win this one. Um, uh, It looks like fair and square this time. Um, but yeah, I'm just, I'm just not a fan of this live or die by the, the, the home run it's feast or famine. It's you're either hitting it out the park or you're, you're striking out, um, or you're getting like a lucky jam shot single that sometimes can ignite some innings, but you very rarely are you seeing back to back to back, like single, double, double, single, right. and then a home run. Like it, it, small it's, ball. Yeah. Well, it yeah, was, and it's, I think uh, what really happened it's not as, was Game Three, right? Like, so with Game Three, you know, the Phillies uh, winning that Game Seven, nothing with five home runs total, you know, like that. Yeah. That's that was the the energy that yeah, they Houston wanted, was shut out in that know? one. And but then the then they answer with a, a vicious answer, no hitter, you know. And then I think the big key is then uh, the Game Five, you know, where where it was like okay. How can we respond? Um, how can we adjust to that small ball like you're talking about? How can we uh, uh, produce? And, you know, that's you got to have that part of your game if you can't. And that's what's where I believe the Houston Astros definitely have the edge is that they can they can put runners on and they can score them and they don't necessarily need the long ball to do it. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. it sucks to see them get in this situation where they could potentially win their second in what just six years. I mean, they've been in the show so many times. It's just um, I, I hear what you're saying, Chris. Um, it, it is what it is, man. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. The analytics baseball now. Game one was great. I mean, that one you know went the the ten innings. That was that was an awesome game. But it seems like every other game since has been either one team shows up or and the other one doesn't. Um, it was what, uh, I think it was, like you said, it was seven, nothing. And then it was, uh, five, nothing, I believe five, nothing. So like, as they're swapping, getting shut out three two and then it, it three, two, which low scoring game again, um, which, you know, that, that happens in baseball. So very interesting to see what's going to happen in six and seven. Hopefully we'll see a little bit more consistent. Ball. Absolutely. Well, game six, uh, will be Saturday. Promise you that. <laughs> And uh, they're going to move on to Houston, and we are going to move on to NFL Week 9. But before we do that, we would like to invite you to join our agenda, the sideline, the agenda, by subscribing to our podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you enjoy your podcast entertainment. Give us a five-star review. Tell your friends about the show, and also follow us on Twitter at Sideline Agenda. Sideline the agenda. Get off the sideline and into the game. All right, NFL Sunday week nine uh, actually kind of a lot of duds I was kind of looking over the schedules thinking to myself that eh, man, that's not too exciting but uh, let's go ahead and start this one off as the Atlanta Falcons head to Los Angeles to take on the Chargers the Falcons of course are uh, four and four sitting at 500 in the NFC South um, and you know what they, they've definitely outperformed this season uh, as far as uh, everybody's expectation in regards to what the Atlanta Falcons were going to be. Um, you know, Justin Herbert's arm uh, is, uh, you know, going to be probably the key to this game. However, uh, there are some concerns because uh, you have a uh, wide receiver, Mike Williams and uh, Keenan Allen uh, still hurt. Um, Falcons secondary is shorthanded. Uh, but the Chargers' rush defense—they're—they're going to be probably a, 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 an element that the Falcons will look to exploit. Um, they've uh, allowed an average of 5.7 yards per rush, um, and uh, the Falcons do have somewhat of a punishing uh, run game. So, uh, in LA, Chargers, Falcons. What uh, do you think? Is this one in LA? Uh, this one's in Atlanta. 
Atlanta. I'm sorry. I'm excuse me. I, I'm completely wrong with that. Yeah, Atlanta. This, this is in okay. Atlanta. Uh, Mercedes Benz. Yeah, you mentioned Williams out, um, Allen out, or at least hobbled if he, if he somehow plays. I think even Eckler was just kind of hurting as well. I don't think he practiced, so I, he might be a game time. Yeah, decision. they put him on the injured reserve I, yesterday. The Chargers. They just haven't really impressed this year, have they? And uh, okay. Yeah, I'm going with Atlanta on this one. I think in Atlanta, they've they've been in a lot of games, even though they're just sitting at 4-4. Four and four, They're playing a lot better. The Chargers, they just kind of seem to be reeling a little bit. Even though they've got a winning record, they just don't seem to be that good. So I think they're going to come back and, and drop down to 500 on, on this one. So I'm actually picking Atlanta. Woo-hoo! In Atlanta, uh, the Falcons have a lot to lose, and I see them losing it. <laughs> I think <laughs> I think the Chargers going to get in there. I think Herbert's going to have a little field day with them, although I know Parham is out, like you guys are mentioning. Keenan Allen's going to be out. Um, Adamo for the, you know, Eckler. Uh, but I still see them getting it done. I, I don't think Atlanta has a great defense. In fact, I think that's the weakest thing on this team, and so we they're going to have to lean on uh, Maria, uh, Marcus Mario to, to kind of keep them in the game don't think that's going to happen I think it's going to be kind of a uh, uh, kind of going to be it's going to be no defenses out there I think it's going to be like a an offensive battle and it really just comes down to who's what who what quarterback can adapt the best and I see Herbert getting it done all right, I think I'd be tempted to take the Falcons on this one, but uh, I hear you. Um, all right, well, let's move on to Miami uh, or Miami Dolphins as they head to Chicago to take on the Chicago Bears. Um, with the trade deadline, Miami added Pro Bowl linebacker Bradley Chubb to a pass defense that ranks 29th in the league. Uh, Bradley Chubb and Jeff Jr., Jeff Wilson, excuse me, Jeff Wilson Jr. from uh, San Francisco uh, were those uh, additions that the uh, Dolphins got during that trade deadline. Of course, you've still got Tyreek Hill and uh, Jalen Waddell. Uh, they are definitely that dynamic duo in the receiver core. Um, and then, uh, you know, Robert Quinn, the, the trade of Robert Quinn to uh, the Eagles from the Chicago Bears may have, you know, played a little bit of a negative uh, mental, um, uh, uh, you know, issue to uh, their uh uh, effectiveness and whatnot, so um, it should be see, it should it should be interesting to see how the uh, the, the Bears defense is, has been affected um, by that trade. Um, and uh, the Bears, of course, they added Chase Claypool from the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, but of course, Justin Fields is is, is yeah, just not the, quite uh, known yet. Chicago, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say the uh, the Dolphins they got to face the quarterback phenom. Justin Fields yeah. <laughs> with his new toy, uh, the the trade, the the receiver they got, Claypool. Um, I I don't think it's still going to be enough though. The Dolphins should definitely handle this one. They're just going to have too much offensive firepower. Um, Chicago surprisingly scored a lot of points against Dallas last week. I don't think they're going to duplicate that. I think those um, receivers Miami's got, they're going to be able to put up a lot of points because you just can't really handle that. I mean, if there's one of them, maybe you can shut them down. But if there's two of them, there's only so much you can do. So uh, I'm going Miami. Yeah, it's going to be tough for the Bears to come in. Uh, excuse me, they're at home. It's going to be tough for the Bears to kind of do anything against uh, Miami. Um it- <laughs> Jalen Johnson, the quarterback for the Bears, is going to have his hands full uh, with the number one leading re- receiving receiver in the league, and then also Jalen Waddle, who's also top five. Um, I just see the Miami kind of throwing the ball all over them, and uh, I-, I see them running away with this. So uh, I'm picking Miami. All right, well, let's head to Cincinnati as they host the Carolina Panthers. Uh, P.J. Walker, he delivered the play of the year, um, uh, throwing that uh, Hail Mary pass to D.J. Moore, but unfortunately D.J. Moore's celebration uh, uh, penalized them on the uh, the kick, and uh, 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 the, the, their kicker, of course, missed, missed the, that opportunity to win that game. Um, the Panthers, they've, they, they look like the more physical team from their last uh, two matchups for sure. Um, and of course, uh, Cincinnati Bengals struggled against Cleveland and the Browns. Um, what do you think? Can, can, can Carolina, uh, actually beat the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, this Sunday? If we see the Bengals that, that showed up last week, then yeah, they could, they could actually steal this one. I, I don't think Cincinnati is going to play that bad two weeks in a row. Uh, they've, they're a much more talented group top to bottom. So I'm, I'm going to stick with the Bengals. 
Yeah, I'm going to go with that as well. I'm just keep it short and sweet. I just don't think that uh, the Bengals are going to drop two in a row, uh, especially at home. I think uh, Burroughs will, will bounce back as he should. And if, the, if they're listening to us, you know, maybe they'll hand the ball off a little bit more. That would be <laughs> there, my advice. There you go. Well, let's, uh, let's <laughs> head to Ford Field as the Detroit Lions are going to host the Green Bay Packers. Uh, this is a game that Green Bay should win, uh, emphasize on should. Um, you know, uh, but of course, in this season, in this league, seemingly anything is possible. Uh, so, so does Jared Goff uh, beat discount double check Rogers in in uh, his home stadium in in Detroit? I, th- I think they're gonna give it a really good look. They're gonna be maybe leading after three quarters, and you're gonna be thinking, "Oh, Detroit's gonna get this one," and they're just gonna find a way to lose. <laughs> they just somehow always find a way to lose, and uh, you give Rodgers, even with his his weakened uh, receiving core, give him enough openings, he'll take advantage. So I think the Packers actually pull it out at the end. Detroit Lions, my fool's gold pick, man, they're so good till the fourth quarter. Um, <laughs> We're just going to see the same thing. Jared Goff, they're going to hang in there. It's going to be a close game, and then they'll probably lose it by a last-minute field goal. Um, they have a pretty decent def- uh, offense. Excuse me. They're still rated number four in the whole league. You know, this is this is well beyond you know the Green Bay's offense. They're rated 17, and Green Bay's been struggling. They can't really do anything right. They just have two really good uh, running backs that they can, I guess they can split time and see if they can wing out and he, they can hit them on some screen passes. But uh, even with that being said, I don't think Detroit has a really good defense, and I think Aaron Rodgers will squeak a win out. Good enough for me. All right, let's head to Jacksonville as the Jaguars host the Las Vegas Raiders. Both of these teams are sitting with two wins on the season. Uh, don't those look all pretty and nice? Um, so this, to me, will be a, a, the case of who will suck more and who will suck less. <laughs> of course, the the Raiders, they've got Max Crosby and Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs and, heck, even Derek Carr. Uh, but, uh, you know, if anybody can find a way to lose a game... Uh, in a game that technically they should probably win just by, again, listening to all those names. Uh, it's the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, this is a close one to me. Uh, I'm, I'm tempted to go Jacksonville, but I every time I do, they seem to let me down. Uh, so uh, the Las Vegas Raiders might might get their third win on the season. <laughs> yeah, it's a, these are the two teams where it's like, what team is going to show up this time? <laughs> is it going to be the Jaguars that blew out the Chargers? Or is it going to be the Jaguars that have stunk almost every other game? And then the Raiders, are they going to be the team that had that 17 nothing lead against the Chiefs? Even though they ended up losing, but, you know, it is the Chiefs. Um, or is it going to be the team that got shut out last week against New Orleans? It's just, man, both these teams. Um, uh, yeah, I, I just think the Raiders aren't going to be that bad two weeks in a row, I, I guess. And I just have no confidence in and Lawrence to be consistent enough to put up enough points. Um, even though their run game did look good. Uh, I'm going with the Jaguars. <laughs> yeah, I don't <laughs> I think they're going to win. Oh, I mean, I don't blame you. That's actually a pretty decent pick, especially with Trevor Lawrence, who blowing the game last week on the first, you know, his drive down, trying to be a hero. And then he throws a pick. So that should probably put some fire in the, in the kid's stomach. And hopefully he's going to come out, put on a good performance. Um, I think Jaguars are used to having a buy after they go to London. And not this case, they are definitely not. They're playing the Raiders. And in that case alone, I'm going for, I can't believe I'm going to say this. I'm going to pick the Raiders uh, to go into Jacksonville and beat Mr. Trevor Lawrence and the Jags. Yeah, it's it's a tough one uh, to to ever pick the Raiders, especially this season. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll see what happens there. All right, uh, let's head to a Gillette Stadium as the New England Patriots are going to host the Indianapolis Colts. This is just kind of a snoozer. Um, so I, I don't know what to say about this game other than the fact that you're going to have uh, – Oh, who's that? Uh, the, the the new quarterback for the Colts, Ellinger, Ellinger, and then who knows? You're gonna have maybe Mac Jones or 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 Zippy or Zippity Duda, uh, you know, for the Patriots. <laughs> um, yeah. So what do you who do you think wins this game? I'm 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 probably leaning the Pats. Yeah, this is a far cry from the old Brady and Manning days. So everyone used to really look forward to this Colts Patriots matchup. Um, both teams kind of have a, a, a lot to uh, 
gain potentially, you know, the Patriots can kind of stay in the hunt in the division or maybe a wild card. Buffalo is probably going to run away with that division, but the Colts, I think they're only a game out of a first for there. So they, they both kind of got something to play for, but uh, I, I think the Patriots at home, they, they should be good enough against a backup quarterback to pull this one out. Yeah, the Colts are going to have to lean on a really good performance out of Jonathan Taylor. Don't think that's going to happen because last week's Patriots defense actually showed up. Uh, the week before that, uh, they were looking atrocious, so they did something right, and they're probably going to keep that momentum going since it is in New England. It's hard to get it's it's hard to pick against New England, um, so I'm going with the Patriots. All right, well, let's head to the AFC East and the Buffalo Bills going to MetLife Stadium and taking on the New York Jets. This actually should be somewhat of an interesting game. I'm not going to say a good game, but an interesting game in the sense that New York's defense is legit and qualifies as probably the biggest test for Buffalo and, and their offense this far. But... Uh, you know, there's no worse quarterback under pressure than Zach Wilson, the quarterback of the New York Jets. Um, and uh, no team is better at creating said pressure uh, without even blitzing than Buffalo. Uh, Patriots, they snapped uh, Jets' four-game winning streak last week. Zach Wilson, he threw three interceptions during that game. Uh, James Robinson, who was acquired from Jacksonville to replace the injured running back, Brees Hall, he he only carried the ball for 17 total yards. So, so that would definitely have to change. Uh, the picks would have to go away if they're going to even uh, have a chance at beating Buffalo. Um, but I am interested in seeing the Jets' defense and specifically their secondary against Josh Allen and the Bills, though I expect the Bills to win. Yeah, I definitely expect the Bills to handle this one. It seems like even if they turned it over like a couple times, they probably would still pull it out. I just don't see the Jets scoring enough on their defense because, like you said, Wilson is bad under pressure and the Bills are great at producing pressure. So I think this is ultimately going to come down to that Jets defense. You know, they're going to have to really play out of their minds, create some some big like fumble uh, returns or pick returns, or they're going to have to put some points up or get some turnovers deep in Buffalo territory where it's easy for their offense to score, keep it low scoring. So maybe they can, they can pull it out. But, uh, yeah, I, th- I think Buffalo is just too good. Is this the week where we see the Jets uh, head coach just cry in his hands in a, <laughs> in a puddle on the sideline? Um, I think this is it, guys. Uh, actually, defensively, <laughs> this is a pretty comparative matchup. Um, the Bills, you know, uh, yards allowed. The Bills only give up 318 yards, and the Jets are right there at 328 yards uh, defensively. However, offensively, that's just night and day, guys. Uh, the Bills are putting in uh, their total yards, um, 438 average per game, and the Jets are 354. So that alone, I'm that's just telling me the Bills are going to pretty much march all over, um, and they should get this game. Even though it's in New Jersey, uh, I'm still taking the Bills. All right. Well, the uh, Washington Commanders, uh, they will host the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, the Vikings there are first in NFC North at 6-1, and one. Um, but uh, they have won each of their past five games by one possession, uh, but they did uh, acquire tight end TJ Hawkinson from the Detroit Lions, which I think is a huge pickup um, and is going to uh, do them well for sure as the season continues. Uh, Taylor Heineke uh, for the Washington Commanders, he's been playing reasonably well in place of Carson Wentz. Uh, is, so what do you think? Is this a... Uh, is this a potential trap game for Minnesota uh, in in Washington? Uh, I, I guess you could say that, but I, I think the Vikings, yeah, they're just so much better, especially with everything going on with the Commanders right now. Uh, it's tough, probably, for them to really focus and put a great game together. But they're they're Heineke, their quarterback. They do kind of rally around him. He does produce a lot of energy. So at home, if if they are able to start well, maybe they can keep it going. But yeah, I just think that the Vikings got too much firepower and they're going to defeat the Washington Amazon Primes. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. Uh, the numbers don't lie. The Vikings have beat Washington 6-1. to one. 
Uh, that's a lot, but I'm going to go the other way on this one, guys. Um, not to be contrarian or anything, but I kind of like Tyler Heineke. I think he brings fire to the team. I think you guys all point out, and he knows who his playmakers are. And so and for that reason alone, since it is at home and the GM or you know the owner is selling the team, so it's a it's a all-giveaway party, you know, it's it's going to be all commanders coming in with a win. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Bezos buys the commanders. He can call them the prime times. <laughs> Total change. Yeah, I would not be surprised. That are would not be surprised for sure. That are the Washington Post routes. Oh no, because he also owns the Washington Post. Washington, the Washington Post Primes. (laughs) It's all his companies. The Washington Post, Washington Post, Amazon Prime, Post Routes, Prime Time, Whole Foods. <laughs> All right. Well, let's head to Glendale, Glendale Arizona, uh, as the Arizona Cardinals will host the NFC West rivals, Seattle Seahawks. Um, many questions here, like is the uh, Seahawks defense for real uh, after being one of the worst defenses in football for the first five games for sure? It is, uh, ironically, pretty much turned into one of the best in the last three uh, contests. And uh, also, do Gino, the quarterback of the Seattle Seahawks, <laughs> why? It's Gino Smith. And he is now number one in completion percentage in the NFL, despite being one of the most pressured quarterbacks in the league. MVP, anyone? MVP? Ooh, uh, yeah. These division rivals meet in week six. They met, rather, in week six uh, when Seattle won 19-9 as a three three-point underdog at home. So what do you think? Uh, do you, does Seattle uh, take this one as well in Arizona? Yeah, this is a big matchup. Uh, I mean, the Rams fan in me wants the Cardinals to win because we need Seattle to start losing so we could even have a oh, shot yeah. of catching them. But Seattle does seem to be playing really good ball. They, they um, what was it, their uh, receiver said that you know, it's amazing how you can play when no one cares who gets the credit. And yeah, Tyler Lockett it, said it seems that. seems to be true, yeah, yeah it, which could have been kind of a dig, but it, it's probably still true at the same time to where these guys are kind of playing free because, you know, no one really expected anything of them. They're just playing for each other. They've got great chemistry, and, and they're really rolling. But with that being said, I think they dropped this one. I think Arizona at home with, you know, they, they got their Hopkins receiver back, so their offense has been a little bit better. They didn't have him in Seattle. And Seattle's defense was a little suspect early on. So I think Arizona actually comes back and gets this one. Yeah, I agree. Um, this is my. This is also a good under underdog take. Um, in Arizona, I'm picking the Car- Cardinals to kind of take care of business, uh, even though Seattle um, has won three of the past four against the Cardinals. I see DeAndre Hopkins out there, you know, having a big day. You know, he topped 800 receptions last week at age 30. Um, and that's the youngest receiver in NFL history to reach the 800 mark. So I'm, I'm looking, I'm leaning on him to kind of, you know, carry it away, carry the load. And then you also, I'm calling out Mr. Zach Ertz. Dude, you've been kind of sucky since you got over there, man. So I'm calling out you. And then also second year man, Rondo Moore, to kind of help carry the load as well. Um, I this is I can't believe it, but Kyler Murray stopped throwing uh stopped throwing picks and actually round out, uh, you know, roll out a little bit more and, you know, run the ball you know, uh, get access uh, to different moving um, receivers out there instead of just you know trying to pick and choose and then watch a, a, a route open up and then you're going to throw it and that's how you get picked and it's, we see it pretty much weekly now um, but yeah I'm, I'm picking the Cardinals to kind of upset the Seattle Seahawks in first place seeing this division shake up a bit all right <laughs> Well, uh, let's head on to Raymond James Stadium in Tampa Bay, Florida, as the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to host the Los Angeles Rams. Both both of these recent Super Bowl contenders have struggled this season. Tom Brady and his Buccaneers are 0-3 against the Sean McVay Rams, including the divisional round loss that briefly sent Brady into retirement, but not for very long uh, to... uh, uh, what's her name's uh, uh, Giselle. Giselle. 
It's keeps on thinking Giuseppe for some yeah, reason. Ginger. Like, What's that girl? <laughs> yeah. What's her name again? Anyway, uh, uh, the Bucks don't have a very good running game, and uh, their secondary is getting healthier. And uh, blitz-heavy attack should give the uh, Rams a bit of a problem. Um, in Los Angeles, of course, bench running back Cam Akers for two games as the team explored uh, potential trade options, but uh, alas, found nothing. Um, so uh, he is questionable to return this week, uh, as is uh, backup running back uh, Kyron Williams, who uh, has been sidelined by a high ankle sprain. And also Cooper Cup uh, is uh, expected to play, I believe, but he does have a questionable injury to his ankle. Um, this is it should be the battle of me- mediocrity, uh, at least right here and now, or at least the uh, uh, potentially the the game that either one of these teams need to get back on track. Um, so uh, who do you think takes this one in Tampa Bay? Uh, I'm hopeful as a Rams fan and biased completely. I'm going to pick the Rams. Yeah, the Rams have owned the Bucks so far. They've, they've beat them every time they've played them these last, I think, three or four years. Uh, this is a huge game for each each team because they're both kind of reeling and they really need this one if they want to kind of stick around and stay in the hunt for their division or, or a wild card. Um, Tampa Bay just hasn't looked really good, and the Rams, their offenses looked really bad. They can't stop anyone from getting any pressure. They can't run the ball. The Tampa Bay can't run the ball. So, man, it's, it's, it's not looking pretty. Um, I just think that the Rams probably have a little bit more as far as their wide receiver group right now if Cup is is going to be Cup. If he's hobbled at all, I don't like their chances. Um, but I think the Rams, they, they bounce back. Uh, but it's going to really depend on their that damn defense that Morris has them playing, that soft zone. If you're going to play a soft zone against Brady, even though he doesn't have that Amendola, Wes Walker-type guy, um, yeah, he'll pick he, you apart. And, and, and Elliman, he can, he'll just pick you apart. Yeah. You know, if you're not getting pressure and you're playing soft zone, he's going to pick you apart. Uh, so if they can get some pressure and press up on these receivers a little bit, I, I don't think the Tampa Bay will be able to do much. And uh, I think the Rams should be able to take it. But I think it's going to be a close game. It's probably going to be a field goal game. It's probably going to come down to the wire. And, uh, yeah, maybe it's the bias in me, but I, I think the Rams are they, – they got – uh, more to lose, if you will. I mean, even though both teams really do. Um, so I think the Rams pull it out. Yeah, it's a good matchup, guys. It's the last two Super Bowl winners going at it. Um, Tom Brady, Matt Stafford, they pretty much said identically things. Uh, as far as, you know, the 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 people interviewing them, they're saying how they're going to bounce back. They pretty much said identical um, stuff. It was basically they're, they're, they're in it. They're looking to to get back in the win column. You know, they're, they're eager for these challenges to come ahead. They think that they're getting better. They're bonding better. The offense is playing better. Um, it's pretty identical what they're saying. It's, it's kind of funny, but these are two veteran quarterbacks. They know what the – the time is the time is now and the sense of urgency is definitely on them they have to make a move they have to and, and they have to make it now they ha- the sooner sooner than better you know um sooner than later to you know to, to to grab their division and that's pretty much what's in the what's in the air right now you know potentially the rams could you know come in within a game um obviously with a little help from their friends right in the division um so and then the Tampa, Tampa Bay, they're not too far off, right? They're right in there. You know, I think the Falcons are going to lose this week. I'm just calling it. So potentially with the win, they could be right up there, you know, tied or, you know, right up there at first place. So it's kind of scary without with seeing Tom, uh, Tom Brady and the Bucks playing this bad, still be that close to first place. I thought we were getting rid of them, but I, I don't. I don't think that that's going to happen. Um, the only way that we can get rid of them is if the Rams come out there and they <laughs> and they beat Brady down and they, they take this game and get one step closer to the first place in that division. And I see them doing it. I see them going into Tampa Bay and getting this win. I'm picking the Rams. Yeah, both both these teams need need the win. Uh, uh, Bucks sitting at three and five, and the Rams sitting at three and four. Uh, let's move on to Sunday night football. Uh, to head to Arrowhead Stadium as the Kansas City Chiefs will host the Tennessee Titans. Uh, the last time we saw the Chiefs, they uh, put up forty four points against one of the NFL's best defenses. That was Week Seven against the Forty ers Patrick Mahomes, uh, he was just he was touched like three times. Uh, but uh, of course, on the other side of the aisle for the Titans, you got Derrick Henry, and he's averaged one hundred and 
130 yards per game um, during the Titans' five-game win streak. Uh, so that obviously is the formula for success for the Titans. I don't know that there is much of another formula that they have, especially depending on whether or not Ryan Tannehill uh, will be present for this game. Uh, last week they had uh, Malik Willis fill, fill in for for Tannehill, and I, I believe he threw for like 26 yards or something like that. I was just like really, <laughs> like, really low. It's like 52. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. And um, yeah, he, he like the second half he he passed the ball like only once. <laughs> so you you they're they're gonna have to have something other than the run, providing whether or not uh, Kansas City can can shut down the run. Of course, Kansas City is rested off of a bye, and uh, Coach Andy Reid is twenty twenty and three over his career in games following a bye week. How about that? Of course, I'm expecting the Kansas City Chiefs to win this game at home in Arrowhead, and um, yeah, uh, shut down the run and therefore shut down the Titans. Yeah, this game, it's not like previous games against the Titans where you had to worry about A.G. Brown out there. Uh, you really just have to stop Henry, which is no easy task, but NFL teams, when you know you only got one thing you really got to stop, that really gives you a, a major advantage, and it just seems like the Chiefs, sometimes they start real slow at home, and if they start slow, have a couple three and outs, and Tennessee's able to get that run game going and really shorten the game down, it could be could be like a 17-14 game. It could be a, a much closer than it should be, but uh, I, I still think the Chiefs are going to do it. Um, I think they just got too much offensive firepower that the Tennessee won't be able to hold them down, especially over the course of four quarters. So if they can really avoid that slow start, it's not going to be close. But if Tennessee is able to get that run game going, get a lead, and they can just pound the run, 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 you know, it potentially could get kind of ugly there towards the end. But uh, I, I definitely think the Chiefs will win this. Great AFC showdown. This is something we're probably going to see in the playoffs as well. Um, in Kansas City, this is going to be a big game. Obviously, Sunday night, I think everyone's going to be pretty much locked in their couch looking at this one. Uh predicting Patrick Mahomes to have a great game. I agree with you. Uh, if Derrick Henry doesn't get stopped from the Titans, this is going to be a very, very long game for the Chiefs, If they, especially if they get up um, in the game early. Uh, they could potentially run away with this and keep the clock going and then keep running the ball, um, and that would obviously be Titans' game plan. Uh, for the Chiefs, they obviously have to just stop the run. I don't think Tannehill is going to beat them in the air. I know that the Chiefs do have a couple injuries, especially with Hardman. I know he's dealing with uh, that heel injury, so he might be sidelined for a bit. And then Frank Clark is also suspended as well, so he won't be in there to stop the run, but Karloftis should fill in his shoes, no problem. You also have... Um, uh, what's his face? Uh, number six, Dunlap, Carlos Dunlap in there to, to also help on the end as well. And uh, you also have Kadarius Tony coming back in, and I don't know if we're going to see him come in, but uh, maybe he's going to help with at least the Hardman, uh, fill him in there for the time being. And then also he can help with the punt return, which we've been seeing the rookie um, Sky Moore be fumbling the ball and you know giving the ball away in, in crucial situations and, and pretty much dire areas of the, of the football field as far as ball possession. Um, so if we could get... Sky Moore out of there and maybe Kadarius uh, in there. Uh, maybe we'll see little, uh, definitely uh, less turnovers. Um, and so I'm, I'm anticipating this one. This should be fun. Gun AFC uh, kickoff, uh, you know, huge game. And of course, I'm going to go with the Chiefs. Yeah, it should be a good one. Um, both these teams are five and two and at the top of their uh, AFC divisions. So, uh, uh, you know, a lot on the line and uh, should be should make for, for a good game Sunday night. All right, with that, I'm going to go to bed. Okay, <laughs> so thank you so much for uh, <laughs> listening to Sideline the Agenda. Uh, please subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Uh, give us a five-star rating and tell your friends about the show. You can also follow us on Twitter at Sideline Agenda. I'm Scott. That's Kevin. That's Chris. This is Sideline the Agenda. Get off the sideline and into the game.